This video is one of three that we shot in the winter of 2022, headed up to the northern suburbs of Chicago to Prospect High School to visit Dan DeBuff and this guy, Tim Beischer, who uh, is one of Coach's top assistants. And he covered this topic that I found extremely interesting. We block kicks. They've blocked over 30 kicks in five years, uh, which is an impressive number. And as you'll hear Coach talk about, the, diff the uh, change of momentum can be incredible. If you want to see this or anything else we've produced, check us out at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Beischer. I coach at Prospect High School. Um, we're a 7A high school in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, I'm our special teams coordinator here, and I'm going to talk to you uh, about the benefits of really putting a big emphasis on blocking kicks. Uh, we've built a culture around it for the last several years at Prospect. Um, our kids know uh, that we block kicks, that we're coming after it, and that changes the way uh, we play special teams. Uh, I think the biggest reason to do this is the energy it's going to bring your kids. Um, it's a time saver. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but it's a big way to change the game, and I think it is a very efficient place to put your effort and energy and resources throughout the week that's going to get you a big payoff uh, on game day. Okay. Uh, just as an example of what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you this clip, a little context. This is a playoff game. It's an extra point. We're in blue. The other team has just scored. Okay, so I want you to think about how you're, sometimes your team wants to behave after they've given up a touchdown, the energy, the momentum change. So I want you to watch what happens when we, uh, when we get to this extra point. Watch them leave the field and watch us leave the field. Remember, they just scored, right? They just actually uh, tied it up, right? They're looking to take the lead. And we were able to prevent that right there. Okay, we've had a lot of success um, in being able to do this. And we started as an emphasis, you know, since those five years, um, we've gotten home 37 times. It's just a bunch of fun. Uh, one of the reasons I think it's such a good place to invest your energy uh, as a coach is if I'm the offensive coordinator of my team and I'm putting in all kinds of effort to plan, execute, find my opponents, uh, soft spots and attack them. They got a defensive coordinator that's doing the same thing, almost on the same level as me, week in and week out. I think if you do it on special teams, you might gain a competitive advantage. I don't think everybody is bringing that same uh, effort and energy into their special teams. Why do it through the lens of blocking kicks? It's a big play in the game. It's obvious for the kids to see what can happen, uh, and it is going to help bring energy and momentum to all the other special teams you're running to get people to understand that punt is an impact play, kickoff return, etc. Okay, if you can just uh, kind of anchor your efforts around blocking kicks, it really brings a playmaking mentality to all of your special teams. Uh, we talk about being impact special teams players and not transitioning to the offense or to the defense and just like get, get through this so the real kids can come on the field. Um, we're trying to play impact special teams uh, and change the game. Blocking kicks, specifically punts, um, 
I really love to put my effort there. I think punt returns take a huge investment of time uh, to get right. That's a real intricate thing. You see these beautiful waterfall sideline returns. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to get right. Uh, the people on the field are usually defensive personnel. You know, how much time are you spending with those kids doing open field blocking? Okay, uh, how much time can you afford? How much time is your head coach willing to give you? How often is that going to result in a block in the back, in a holding penalty? And the biggest thing that I think disrupts punt returns is how often is the, the punter you're playing against going to give your punt returner an opportunity to return the ball? Uh, how many times you get a bad punt, you get a short punt, you get an on-the-ground punt, and then all those efforts, um, you know, they don't, they don't pay, they don't bear any fruit for you, okay? Um, and then talk about hidden yards in special teams. Not going to find more hidden yards than in a punt block, okay? You can see this clip here. Got our opponent's punter standing on his own 40. He's a decent high school punter with maybe some wind at his back. He's going to put us inside our 20-yard line. Maybe return it to the 25, uh, our own 25, and we get a decent return out of it. You can see here's a beautiful job off the edge here by our guy. It's a pretty one, lays out, gets it. We've got some recovery people almost shake loose for the score. Offense comes on the field around about their 26-yard line. Okay, it's a 50-yard swing. Okay, not going to show up. Yards gained, yards allowed, but that, that, you're not going to find more hidden yards than in blocking punts. How are you going to accomplish this? Um, you need a plan. You need some people on your side. Uh, you got to make it a big deal with some praise. And then I got a drill for you. When I go to clinics, I try to leave with one good thing. My old boss told me to leave one, leave with one thing at a clinic. I hope you get two. And I feel like I'm doing a good job. Uh, the first thing is your plan. You got to take the time. This is an investment on your part as a coach. You need a tailored block plan to your opponent each week, okay? You can't just say, like, on pump block, you're to A gap, you're to B gap, let's roll. Uh, that's, that's a transitional amount of planning, and you're going to get a transitional effect on your field, okay? So you got to take a look at what your opponent's doing. Um, joke with your defensive coordinator about this. What would you do if you knew on a certain down that they are going to do this? They are going to protect like this. They are going to execute like this. It's going to be these players standing in this position. Um, that's a defensive coordinator's dream, and that's what you get to play with uh, when you attack punts, okay? Um, so if we just want to take like a bit closer look at some of these looks, um, I like attacking A-gaps because the center, the long snapper, usually does not have a lot of protection responsibilities. And you can play on that. He might try to give you that little, that little hip thing and take one of the gaps away or the back up with the forearms thing. It's a tough ask, man. He's burying his head. He's losing both his hands. You can play in the A-gaps. Obviously, you can't line up on them, but you can, you can uh, fly kids through there. The other thing to do here is figure out what the protection is, okay? If uh, totally recommend as a special teams guy, get your other coaches involved. You can't make it important on your own. You need buy-in, firstly, from your head coach because you need, you need some time during the week to prep this stuff. You don't need a lot, but you do need some. It needs to be consistent. Uh, and the more guys on your staff you can get involved in doing this, the more important it will feel to the kids, okay? Uh, I also coach our offensive line. If you're O-line coach, all you got him doing on special teams is, you know, take care of the field goal protection. You know, this is a great spot for your O-line coach. 
because that person probably understands protections. They can understand this person's going to slide this way. They can find a weak point in the scheme. They can find a weak point in personnel, um, and they can be a big asset to you in finding the block. So think about that. Um, love the numbers game. Usually a slide plan here. If you notice, the kid that's labeled S is our Sam linebacker in this particular look. Um, he's basically going to set a basketball pick. He's going to just he's just going to run right into the nose of their offensive tackler, and he's going to spring one of our other players through a gap loose. Okay, so two ver two on one there, you're going to turn somebody loose. The tackle in the A gap is uh, the kid that's going to acquire the guard's attention. You're going to have a free runner into the backfield. Um, you can create two of those. Get the personal protector. He's got to pick somebody. Okay, uh, that's going to be a good way to be. Um, some teams might bring you all the looks. A lot of people like that quarterback quick kick style thing here. They just throw a bunch of receivers out there and they kind of scare you from going for a block because they want you to play defense against them. They give you that little that giveaway, that telltale backup when that quarterback not so subtly backs up to you know seven nine yards and you know what's going on. Okay, you got to have a little bit. Uh, you got to have a little bit of boldness to just put the block on right there. Obviously, it's got to be sound. You got to have people covering up these eligible receivers and things like that. Um, but we have a pretty good idea what they're going to do, and we're going to attack it. The downsides for them in that quarterback look is that kid's much closer to the line of scrimmage. If that's their base pump play and you put some time in this, I think you're going to get home. Um, some other things to think about the people, the kids you're putting into premium block positions. So, on your defense, that's probably on the field when you're running this, you're gonna have all kinds of people, right? And they're all involved in the block. But as you design these up, you're gonna find there's two or three most likely people in your plan that are gonna get turned loose to their to their punter, to the block point. You gotta put people there who want to get there. You gotta have that impact effort uh, that can get there. They gotta have a quick step, they gotta be athletes. And then you got people there you can trust because no one's trying to get roughing the kicker penalties and turn the back, get rid of that ball back to the other team. So you got to be able to trust them. They got to want to get there and they got to be able to get there and identify who those who those people are. This sometimes brings some non-traditional people into the box. Maybe a safety's coming. Maybe you got a corner through a B gap and that's a weird thing for them. But they're gonna, they actually sometimes like that. It's something new um, for them. Uh, so we need a plan. And we need the right people whether that's your coaches or your players talking about there. Uh, the third thing I think is important is praise. Man, at meetings, you got to make this a big deal. Okay, we have a little gimmick here. Um, we, we, you know, we go hunting for blocks, and we put up trophies on the wall like their heads we took out of the woods, right? And so we'll hang up your team's logo. goes on our little title slide every week. If we get to your kick, you're sitting on our little special teams, uh, our special teams meeting slide every week. Like when we you know, put some more on the wall when we get the blocks, whatever call out who got the block, throw up a highlight, throw up that highlight for them um, as you get into the next week's intro, like whatever you can do. Um, people get gimmicky, you know, with like turnover chains and all this other stuff that kids dig, but just to make the blocks um, a big deal in front of the team and, and that's gonna help you. Um, okay, the drill. Uh, we just do one drill on this. Uh, we tail it pretty specific. We need to do it twice a week. We do it twice a week for eight minutes, once versus their punt look and once versus their place-kicking look. Um, and we're trying to be consistent on that. I can 
already looked through those. Let me get you to our drill slide. Okay. So here's maybe the, the meat of, the, uh, of what, how you do this, or how we do this. Key techniques. First two steps you're going to tell the tail, sprint to the block point, okay? You see kids that come off the ball, and they want to run like this, and that's slow. Even fast kids are slow like this, okay? you got to get them to sprint and shoot their hands uh, at the last second, okay? They have to use all their speed to get where they're going, and they shoot their hands at the exact last moment. The most frustrating thing you're going to have to train out of them is the desire to, like, basketball block a kick. The hands go up, okay? Um, and this is a way bigger variance, okay? Then they swing for the ball, and it creates a way bigger variance on uh, missing the kick, okay? So we talk a lot about just making a ceiling for the ball. The punter is going to, or the kicker is going to provide the energy you need to block the kick. You don't need to bring any energy to this interaction. Just make a ceiling for the ball uh, across your wrist so you don't get the, the dreaded, you know, between the uprights here. So we cross our wrists and we just make a ceiling for the ball and the punter or the kicker will provide the energy that the football needs to get blocked. Um, a real frustrating thing when you do this and you get, you get close to the punter a bunch of times, you'll have a kid and you'll push pause and he's like in the kicker's kitchen and you're like, how is this not blocked? And they all swear they're not, but I'm telling you right now, their eyes are closed. Uh, their eyes are closed and they're scared and they're flinching in that moment. Okay, he's got to tell them to trust that face mask. Everybody's buying the Rydell helmets, even though they take an extra two months to get turned around. Uh, everybody's getting those nice face masks for everybody. You know, you might have to just, you know, <laughs> gently bounce that ball off a kid's face mask and practice. You okay, bud? You're all right. Keep your eyes open uh, and block the kick. Um, we talked to our kids about trying to get out of track blocks, right? The first two steps off the line are going to tell the tale. Because some of it, when it's a deep punt, right, kids' toes are at 13, something like that, you just have to close distance. And if your first two steps aren't explosive, like you're coming out of blocks, uh, it's going to be difficult. Unless, obviously, they give you extra time, wobbly snap, ball on the ground, extra steps, pitter-patter. And some punters will give that to you. But if you're playing a solid team with clean execution, man, you got to be clean, too. Um, take a look at our drill. Uh, so we'll go out there. Um, have a coach or two to help you with this. It's a beautiful thing. We'll get our, and we'll, now in the summertime, we'll just do this without a tailored plan and just see, man, who's explosive, who wants to get to the ball. So those lines are long when you're just trying to identify who these people are. Game week time, these lines are short. Okay, it's the people who are going to be doing the job and their backups. Okay, we'll throw up four cones as you see here. We'll get lines. The cones will be, um, the cones will be spaced out according to like which basically offensive lineman in the punt or kick block that they're going to be on. So if we're coming off their left tackle and then their like right guard, the cones are spaced a bit differently. So you want to try to tailor this as much as possible. Again, we're being intentional. We're not being transitional. We're not on autopilot here. Okay. We're trying to get it just right so that the kids angles are just right in the game. They're used to the right distance. Um, so get the cone set that's kind of specific to the plan that you made for that week. A lot of times it's very similar, okay? But sometimes, you know, if your premium block point is, you know, the, the defensive right A gap and the defensive left C gap, well, then the cones need to be adjusted slightly, okay? Um, 
so they're good. Being intentional about where is your block point, okay? Most deep punters, their toes are at 13. They kick it at about 11. Sometimes the kid shorts it. Sometimes he fades to the right. Sometimes the lefty will fade to the left. All that little info is going to inform your rush kids, okay? And if you want to get home, particularly versus a deep punter, toes at 13, you have to be just right because there's just if their timing is good, they can get that ball out in 2.3 seconds or whatever, man. You have to be just clean, just right to have a shot, okay? Um, we have we got a young coach back there. He helps us out. He's just simulating a punt for us all the time, and the kids are, you know, he's giving me like a little light punt so that the ball doesn't spray everywhere when we get a bunch of balls. We get a lot of reps, but we you want to take it off the toe, right? You don't want to just run here and act like you don't want to pretend Okay, you want to block that kick. You want the hear kids to hear that thump, thump, and and then get some positive reinforcement through that. Um, or we'll have a holder, and we'll have a little kicker, just kind of lightly kick it, block it. Okay, helps to have some kids get a lot of footballs ready. Um, constantly saying like, "Where's all our footballs?" But you know, if you get prepped for that, you can avoid that particular frustration. Okay. So the drill execution, we'll say two kids are going at a time. Uh, one guy is the block and one guy is the recover okay we always want to try to make that next play okay so obviously extra point the ball's dead but in a field goal situation okay at least in, in high school the ball's dead an extra point field goal situation live punt obviously live um, so we're going to have one guy running to the block point one guy coming in a recovery position he wants to scoop and score okay uh, and they're usually kind of alternating like this we get one guy to the block point okay uh, one guy go recover it. Make sure it's on the snap of the ball. No whistle here. No go here. Uh, they have to see that ball and be able to use it um, as their signal to go as fast as they can. Or in the game, they're not going to be ready to quick twitch uh, on the ball's movement. Okay. So then you got a second pair ready to go, which is probably on a different rush plan. Uh, but they're working this again. Eight minutes. If you got if you got a group of eight to ten kids, you can get a lot of reps in in eight minutes doing this. They're going to be, you know, they're exploding. They're sprinting ten yards every time. Like eight minutes will do. You can get eight minutes twice a week out of your head coach for this. I think it's going to it's going to pay off for you. Um, you're going to switch the roles, but not the spots. So like, if my spot in the pump block is going to be in the A gap, I don't need to go over to the C gap and take any reps. But I might need to practice being the recovery guy. So after a little bit, okay, this guy's going to go first. He's on the block plan and you're in the recovery mode because you just don't know who's going to get blocked in the game, who's the personal protector going to choose to block, who's going to stumble and not get there as fast. So change roles but not spots. The risks in this plan can be that we got to worry about our fakes and roughing penalties, and uh, we try to be intentional about uh, managing those risks uh, and how we coach some things up. So the way you protect yourself against fakes is you go into each week with two calls, strike, that's the block plan, we're going after the kick, we're going after the punt, or safe, uh, which is essentially we're playing defense with 10 guys, put a punt returner on, pull somebody off. Um, I talk with our defensive coordinator, okay, versus the formation that they're going to show this week, who do you want to come off, here comes the punt returner, um, what do you want to play, it's really up to him by the time you got to play defense with 10 guys. Um, and he gets to set the, the safe plan. Uh, when we're in strike, we're going after the ball. Um, it's not, you know, reckless abandon, but we're, we're, we're saying you're punting. We don't believe you're going to fake it in this situation. We're going to come after you and be aggressive. 
game situation is telling you, man, they ought to go for this. This is not. This is a spot where I might fake. You know, middle of the field, shorter yards to gain. Later in the game, you know, scoreboard dictates. Man, they need to make something happen here. Call State, sniff it out a little bit, um, and that's going to keep you protected. It's also a good way to help you convince your head coach to do this, that you're not always going to be putting your team at risk to allow that first down. Um, but when you're in strike, you have, to, you have to play all the way aggressive. You have to go get the kick. Uh, here's an example on this clip of uh, a team which is too late in the game for them to kick it. You know, they're around their 40. They're deep in their field, right? It was just too late in the game, though, so it didn't feel right. We're getting a safe call. Uh, we're trying to get this ball back. Uh, and they do, lo and behold, go for a fake here. Uh, toss it back out, and you can see that our linebacker pursuit is great. He actually tries to rugby punt it at the end when he sees that the fake's not on and we're able to block it out of the, out of the safe call. But having strike and safe ready to go is going to, um, is going to be how you're going to work to prevent the fakes. The other thing is roughing penalties, right? The more you go after kickers, the more you're going to be living in the area around kickers, the more you can create this contact that you don't want with kickers uh, and, you know, get those first downs on fourth down, which are, which are brutal, okay? Um, action plan to avoid this. Number one, the people you put in your premium block spots. When you design your plan, the kids you think that are most likely to get near the ball, near the kicker at the block point, you got to be trustworthy. They got to be people that you know are going to be coachable, okay, um, that are not going to get, like, reckless diving at people's legs and stuff like that. We really want to stay on our feet, um, but you got to put people in those situations that can get there, but also that you trust uh, to do what you're coaching them to do when they do get there. We want to cross the kicker's face only when forced to, if we're having, like, an outside kind of extreme angle, Okay. So if we can just say same side as the kicker that I start on, that's really going to prevent a lot of potential con unintentional con uh, contact excuse me, uh, with the kicker. So cross face only when like an angle mandates it, or sometimes if I'm an A-gap guy and I know another guy that we're likely to turn loose is like a C-gap guy, I have to cross face or else I'm just going to box him out. So there are some situations where we have to do it, but we only want to cross face of the punter or kicker when um, we are forced to. And when kids get there and they think, man, I can block this kick, you don't want them trying to stop in front of the kicker because they're going to get all the weight up in the balls of their feet. They're going to fall into the kid's plant leg, and you're going to get, uh, you're going to get the flag. So the technique that we coach is um, the look back and leave a trail hand, okay? So I'm coming past the punter. He's right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass him. I'm going to run by him. I'm going to look back and leave one hand right here. Or if I have to cross his face, he's right here. I'm going to cross his face. I'm going to run by him. I'm going to look back. I'm going to leave a one-hand ceiling. Okay, not a swat, right? Just make a ceiling for the ball. Is it ideal? No, but it's really kept us out of uh, punters and kickers' legs when kids are coachable. Uh, you can take a look at this clip here. We've got our guy Jack. He comes through the A-gap. He's highlighted here for you. It's tough to see on the film, but he's going to cross the punter's face. Um, he's going to do just what he was coached to do, which makes you feel real real good. Leaves that trail hand and, and makes a game-changing play for us. You can see him. He, cross, he crosses his face. 
just leaves that hand there, and he, you don't have to you don't have to swing at the ball, man. The punter, the energy net football will do all the work. He leaves that trail hand, gets the kick, blocked, and we're never in danger of the roughing penalty there. Okay. Also, make sure your kids know they're going to take that risk. If you block, if you touch the ball, there's no more roughing, right? If you get the ball, you can get in. So sometimes we do end up in people's legs when we're there. And again, this is where it comes back to them being trustworthy kids. Okay, if they're going to take that risk when they get there, they got to know I have to have the ball, okay? Uh, but we're going to trustworthy kids, cross-face only when necessary. We're going to coach that, look back, leave the trail hand, and we're going to try to stay on our feet at all times. If you do this, if you do some buy-in here, what will you gain? I think you're going to get a big energy and engagement boost in your special teams. If special teams feels like a chore in your program or like, man, and it looks like it on game day, man, that can be frustrating. I think the culture of a program shows on special teams how bought in are kids, right? Because the newspaper is not going to be about the punt coverage stats, right? It's going to be about wide receivers and quarterbacks and stuff like that. But if you can be if you can be guns blaze man on special teams, it's going to be a real indicator of your program's in a good place. I think by anchoring your special teams program and trying to block kicks, it gets kids in the mentality that your special teams unit is about making plays and not just moving on or transitioning to the offense or to the defense. That gets you buy in on field goal protection. It gets you buy in on kick return, and everything that you're looking for. Um, these are big-time, essentially, turnovers in the game, um, even though they're probably giving you the ball. If you can block that kick, we saw a 50-yard change um, in that punt clip from before. I got a field goal block, right? You're taking points off the field, changing the field by 40 yards before the defense even comes on the or offense even comes on the field for you. Um, you get a reputation for this, that you're going to be aggressive. Now you're in your opponent's practice time. They got to work for extra segment of protection. That's one less segment they're doing whatever. One, one less segment of blitz pickup, right? One less segment of third down, what to look for, whatever. Okay, you're just making them adjust to you, which is already putting you into the advantage. Um, also, if you build this and you become known for this, you're going to get good outcomes even when you don't get home. You know, that snapper gets a little shaky. Man, my snap's got to be just right. You get a bad snap. You get one rolling on the ground. You get a high snap. And you put people around a lot of punters and kickers that are used to people not rushing them. You get you get shanks, you get missed kicks, you get a lot of you can get a lot of good outcomes just from the pressure of trying to do this, um, even on the reps that you don't get home, which are just more of those more of those big time. It can be big hidden yards um, in the game. Uh, so in closing, man, if you're looking for a way to bring energy to your special teams unit, I encourage you to think about. Really investing your time, okay? Planning time of a coach. You got to get your head coach on board for a couple practice segments a week. We're lucky here at Prospect. Our head coach gives us a bunch of time each week to work our special teams. And I do believe it has paid off for our program. Uh, so you need that investment um, from your head coach of the time. You got to invest your own time in making those plans and then making it a big deal for the kids. Um, I think it's a useful allocation of your time because I think playmaking special teams creates a competitive advantage. Everybody's trying to make plays on offense, man. Everybody's trying to make plays on defense. All the OCs you're competing against and DCs you're competing against in quality programs are putting in that effort. 
right? So all you're doing is canceling them out with the effort you put in. You watch, you watch a lot of games. You have a, you know, you've been around for a while. You're a veteran coach. You know that not everybody, that effort's not present on every program special team. So you can gain a competitive advantage there in a big way. Um, and it's a whole bunch of fun. Uh, thanks very much. I hope you gained more than one thing from this. But if you got one, I guess uh, we'll be all right. Um, if you need to get in contact with me, uh, email, Twitter, it's all good. Happy to help. It's not, um, it's kind of simple, but uh, it's a lot of fun to put your energy into this. Uh, thanks so much. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.